What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome to In The Zone with yours truly, Anthony Smith. And we have got a lot for you. And what I want to do is I want to kind of start things off a little bit different because uh, it's a story I'm pretty sure is picking up a lot of steam across social media, across news media. Something that has taken place in Vermont concerning girls basketball at the high school level and transgender. Right. I normally don't get into these topics, but it's making news. Uh, Story was published uh, on February the 26th. A Vermont girls basketball team banned from play after forfeiting game against team with a transgender player. And let's get into this right now. And what I want to do is I want to go ahead and play some audio from this. And then we're going to get into this story. So as I... As I pull this story up, just bear with me. Uh, And yes, I am going to have my take on it. And some may agree with what I'm going to say and some may disagree. But. So a Vermont Christian school was banned from a state athletic competition because its girls basketball team forfeited a game against a team that had a transgender player. The biological male is over six feet tall. And look like I just lost my feed right there. So what and I'm going here, there we knocking go. rivals out of the way during this game. This is crazy. Now in the Fox and Friends exclusive, Coach Chris Goodwin is speaking out for the first time. He and his attorney, Ryan Tucker, join us now. I, I just want to go to this statement from the governing body over sports in Vermont. I thought it was just insane. This is what they had to say. Mid-Vermont Christian School has every right to teach its beliefs to its own students. It cannot, however, impose those beliefs on students from other public and private schools. Deny students from other schools the opportunity to play or hurt students from other schools because of who those students are. Mr. Goodwin, I'm going to want to go straight to you because they may be talking about hurt feelings, but you had students that got hurt because of the actions of that transgender player. What's your reaction to that? 
I mean, my reaction is, you know, in the middle of the season last year, we were informed by uh, other coaches and other players in the league that there was a, a male athlete playing for another team in our division. Now, they, this other team was not on our schedule during the year, uh, but we did see that there was a possibility that we might end up playing them in the playoffs and being seated against them. And as the season did come to an end, that is uh, that was the scenario that worked itself out. So after discussions with the administration and our players and parents, we decided that instead of going against our religious beliefs that, you know, there are differences between male and female and we are created differently, we decided to forfeit that game and uh, withdraw from the tournament. And at that point, the state of Vermont governing body kicked us out of all athletic competitions in the state. Mr. Tucker, we're showing this footage right here. Uh, look at the elbows being thrown on. The, is there any legal ramifications? Because we have a biological male that that is hurting other female athletes. It's it's only going to end one way here. Well, that's right. There are uh, legal ramifications. In fact, we filed a lawsuit uh, four months ago. We're currently waiting for the court to uh, issue a. Uh, uh, an order telling us when we're going to have our hearing date. Uh, but you're absolutely right. I mean, what, what's going on here is the state is basically uh, attempting to purge individuals like Chris and other family members uh, in the state uh, from public discourse, from um, the ability to, to speak out on, on issues of significant uh, public concern. And, and the state is completely, completely uh, failing to consider the, the biological reality here, that the health and safety consequences. And, and we filed a lawsuit on it. We're, we're very confident that we're going to prevail. Coach, where are the rest of the coaches? Because I understand that you guys have a religious point of view. I stand with you on that. But this is more than that. This is biological. So where are all the rest of the girls uh, basketball coaches with this scandal right here? Listen, they're concerned as well. Uh, I've got four daughters. I've coached them all at one point uh, in their careers playing high school basketball. I've also filled in for the boys coach when he can't make a practice, and I've run those practices. And boys just play at a different speed, yeah. a different force, you know, than the girls play at. It's a different game. Um, so, so I would never bring my girls to a boys practice or, or have the boys come into our practice and say to them, hey, we're going to scrimmage today. We're going to go game speed because it is just asking for an injury. And, and it'd be irresponsible on my part to put my girls and my daughter on the court uh, to play against male athletes. It's just common sense, and I hope the state looks at this. Um, I hope that there's federal action as well, because we got to protect our young ladies, uh, or they won't have sports. It's just that simple. Absolutely. Coach uh, Ryan Tucker, thanks so much for joining the program. And you heard the news audio. Uh, let me just go into this. So the coach of a Vermont basketball team that forfeited a game against a transgender player broke his silence after the state banned the team from competing in future tournaments. Chris Goodwin, who coaches at Mid-Vermont Christian School, said the team was notified of the transgender player on the other team, but it wasn't until the playoffs last year that the team ended up facing them on the court. Goodwin joined Fox and Friends Monday alongside his attorney, Ryan Tucker, to discuss why they took legal action and let me just say I think they did the right thing over the state's decision to bar them from upcoming competitions he emphasized the danger of a biological male playing against high school girls let me just stop right there 
In the WNBA, there is a lady of interest. Everybody knows her, Brittany Griner, six foot seven, whatever she weighs. And if I can reference a beast of a female. But even a person in their right mind wouldn't pit Brittany Griner against, let me see, Zion Williamson. Or Brittany Griner against LeBron James. For that matter of fact, you wouldn't even pit Brittany Griner against, let's go to the college ranks, Hunter Dickerson of KU. Bottom line is, they're male athletes, she's a female athlete, and they're built and wound differently. Bottom line. You could get the five best players in the WNBA against marginal five players in the NBA, and I guarantee you, if they go at game speed, the males would win because they're just that more dominant than most females. He went on said, I've got four daughters. I've coached them all at one point in their careers playing high school basketball. I've also filled in for the boys coach when he can't make a practice. And I run those practices and boys just play at a different speed, a different force than the girls play. Goodwin told Lawrence Jones during the exclusive interview. It's a different game, he continued, adding that it would be irresponsible and it is irresponsible and asking for an injury to a smaller female player. And even looking at the video clips of this transgender player, it's quite apparent how dominant they are compared to a natural biological female as opposed to a biological male posing as a female. The physical attributes are totally different. The girls' basketball team forfeited the game against the team with the transgender player back in February 2023, which prompted the Vermont Principals Association, VPA, to ban the team from future tournaments. Officials worried at the time about the safety repercussions stemming from a biological male competing against the female players. Mid-Vermont Christian School has every right, here's what they say, to teach its beliefs to its own students. It cannot, however, impose those beliefs. First of all, how are they imposing their beliefs just because they forfeit? There, you, there was a saying that went like this. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And look like the state of Vermont don't know where they stand. They do, but they don't. At best, they have thrown safety and precaution to the wind and are putting biological females at risk because a transgender who is a biological male is being allowed to play with these girls and physically dominate them. Literally knocking them down from the clips I'm looking at, knocking them down, hard files. Come on, y'all got to get this right. It cannot, however, impose those beliefs on students from other public and private schools, denying students from other schools the opportunity to play or hurt students. Okay, so who is it hurting? 
like the guy in the Fox News said, is it hurt feelings or is it physical hurt? If it's physical hurt, then the state of Vermont needs to look at this real close. Look at the safety issue. Hurt students from other schools because of those students, who those students are. The VPA said in a statement to CNN in November, the school filed suit alongside families over the pro- prohibition, arguing the decision is discriminatory in nature against the school's religious beliefs surrounding gender and human sexuality. After discussions with the administration and our players and parents, we decided that instead of going against our religious beliefs, that there are differences between male and female, we are created differently. We decided to forfeit that game and withdraw from the tournament, Goodwin said. And at that point, the state of Vermont governing body kicked us out of all athletic competitions in the state. Tucker, an attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom, expressed his confidence that the school will prevail in court as they wait their next hearing date. The state is basically attempting to purge individuals like Chris and other family members in the state from public discourse from the ability to speak out on issues of significant public concern, Tucker said, accusing the state of failing to consider the biological reality and the health and safety risk to female athletes. He says we're very confident that we're going to prevail, he concluded. And I am on the side of Mid-Vermont Christian School. Stand on your beliefs, even if it's not popular in today's culture, in the culture of inclusion. Some things need to have some exclusion. And this is one of those things, in my opinion. Like I said, you may agree with me or you may disagree with me. But why put a girl's health at risk? And then you want to ban the school from all future tournament? I know this this is y'all's doing, this is y'all doing. I don't have a dog in the fight. But from a man who has a daughter and has a granddaughter growing up. All I can say is I'll be darned if my girl gets involved in female athletic sports that she's going to go up against a male. Not going to happen. Mike can't stop the team and make the team forfeit. But I'm pretty sure me and my daughter, we will pull our daughter, granddaughter respectively from that situation to keep her out of harm's way. tell you what I'm going to do when I come back. I'm going to take a look at some things that happened over the weekend in college sports right here on In The Zone. I know this was a quirky way to start things off with news of this magnitude, but I think it's something that needs to be brought out. And by all means, share your opinions. I share mine. You have a right to share yours. But in a respectful way. Anyway, you're in the zone with Anthony. Don't you go nowhere. There is more to come. So stay locked in the zone. Be right back.
back to In The Zone with yours truly, Anthony Smith, on a Monday evening. Like I said, there is a lot to get to, and I have a lot for you. Some college basketball over the weekend. Some college football news. One that may be an eye-opener. And so much more, all right here on In The Zone. Hope you're having a magnificent Monday beautiful day here in the air capital city wichita kansas where i'm residing from uh let me know where you might be at where you're listening to this podcast at court storming that's right let's talk about it not too long ago caitlin clark ncaa women's all-time leading scorer experienced the almost dangerous side of court storming now we've Fast forward to this past weekend because it was truly a rough Saturday for Duke, not only because of his upset loss, but also seeing the star player go down while the court was being stormed by fans. Who are we talking about? Duke's Cal Filipowski gets injured after crowd storms the court. So let's take a look at this story here. Because I know a lot of people have something to say about it. Some people even may have their thoughts on how you can still do court storming in a safe manner. But the bottom line is a player got hurt. A possible NBA player. But Wake Forest secured a huge win over number eight ranked Duke. And let me give you this breaking news. Kansas State, who was dominating West Virginia, let them get back into the game. But West Virginia made the mistake. It went into overtime. And the final score, as we're doing this podcast, K-State knocks off West Virginia in overtime to remain undefeated in overtime games by the score of 94 to 90. Just had to put that in real quick. As a matter of fact, maybe I should have did it like this. Breaking news. K-State outlast West Virginia in overtime to remain undefeated in overtime games, winning by the score of 94 to 90. So now here we go with the story. Wake Forest secured a huge win over number eight ranked Duke on Saturday afternoon to dramatically improve its NCAA tournament resume. But what happened after the game is going to steal most of the headlines. As the Wake Forest student section stormed the court in celebration, Duke star Cal Filipowski was injured in a collision with Wake Forest students and needed assistance leaving the floor to get into the locker room. According to Duke coach John Shire, Filipowski suffered a knee injury in the incident. John Shire just texted to confirm correct his postgame comments. Kyle Filipowski suffered a knee injury, not an ankle, during the court storm. Court storming has been a controversial subject in college basketball, given the risk to players and fans. An incident like this, whether Filipowski is injured long-term or not, is only going to throw gasoline onto the raging fire that is that discussion. 
Shire added to their discussion on Saturday afternoon by asking when the practice is going to be banned by the NCAA. This is the second time this season a prominent college basketball player was involved in an incident like this. Iowa's Caitlin Clark was fortunate to avoid an injury when she was run into by an Ohio State fan a month ago. Filipowski is one of Duke's best players and a projected first-round pick in the 2024 NBA draft. Now, let me say something about that. Because some schools I know in the SEC has banned court storming and even storming the football field. And if you're caught doing it, you get a fine of this amount. If it happens again, that fine pretty much doubles. In this case, I would take into consideration if Filipowski is one of Duke's best players and a projected first-round pick in the 2024 NBA draft, I would get some data, some feedback on what his projection in the first round would be and what his possible salary would be, whether it be a one-year salary or a, a three-year deal worth X amount and make Wake Forest pay that amount in the fine. That's the only way I believe you're going to get these people's attention. Now, the fine may not be a speck in the bucket to the school itself, especially since they're playing at a high level, they can always make that money back. But when you start hitting institutions in their pocket, you start getting their attention, and then they start enforcing some rules, such as this court storming. In addition to that, Duke Star believes court storming Wake Forest fans tried to injure him. Duke Star believes court storming Wake Forest fans tried to injure him. On Saturday, Wake Forest fans stormed the court following an 83-79 upset victory over number 8 Duke, injuring Blue Devils center Kyle Filipowski. However, the sophomore believes that the knee injury he suffered during the chaos was no accident. And understandably upset, Filipowski called the incident and how Wake Forest handled it ridiculous before ripping into the school's fans for deliberately trying to hurt him. He basically said this, I absolutely feel like it was personal, intentional for sure, Filipowski told WFMY. There's no reason they see a big guy like me trying to work my way off the court and they can't just work around me. There's no excuse for that. An overhead view from ESPN proves that Filipowski and his teammates had little time to avoid the sea of fans filling the court. The video shows a Wake Forest fan taunting the Duke star as the two make contact, which may have caused his injury. And I'm going to see if I can at least play the audio sound of this. And there is no audio, but it is showing the video. And you can see plain and simple that he basically got ran over by two fans. He tried to avoid one and got ran over by the other. And that kind of twisted help that kind of uh, aided in his knee being twisted or whatever the case may have been. Filipowski isn't the first star to be on the wrong end of an incident like Saturday's. Recently, I was Caitlin Clark narrowly avoided injury following an on court collision with an Ohio state fan. 
If the response at Wake Forest proves anything, little has changed regarding precautions following Clark's run-in. However, Filipowski's injury has reignited the conversation about whether court storming should be prohibited. Following the post-game scrum, Duke head coach John Shire called for an end to the practice. He says, with the incident still fresh in the minds of basketball fans and the NCAA, perhaps this will be the final straw and regulations can be put into place to avoid the avoidable in the future. Traditions are hard to break and maybe there is a way to have fans safely storm courts in the future. But until something changes, more athletes like Clark and Filipowski are at risk for the same or worst fates. Now, let's talk about the game itself, because Wake Forest scores massive win to improve its NCAA tournament odds. So just how did it improve their odds? Well, Wake Forest began the day projected to finish the season outside the NCAA tournament. An 83-79 win over Associated Press number 8, Duke might be enough to get the Demon Deacons into the dance. In Joe Lenardi's most recent bracketology published on Friday, Wake Forest 18-9, 10-6 in ACC was named the first team out. During halftime of North Carolina, Virginia, ESPN noted that the Demon Deacons moved up to the last four in according to Lenardi's projection. Despite ranking 21st in Ken Palm ratings entering Saturday, its weak out-of-conference schedule and 1-5 record in quad one games was a knock against the school. Wake's best win prior to Saturday was November 29 against number 24 Florida, 19-8, 9-5 in the SEC. Through Friday's game, Duke was number 12 in net rankings, which are the rankings that determine the quadrants. Quad one, for example, is home games against top 30 teams, neutral site games against top 50 teams, and away games against top 75 teams. The Demon Deacons have two more quad one games at Virginia Tech versus Clemson on their regular season schedule, which could solidify their resume with wins. Transfer junior guard Hunter Silas, who played his first two college seasons at Gonzaga, led Wake Forest with 29 points on 11 of 13 shooting. He was sizzling hot including 5 of 6 from the th- from 3 against Duke, 21-6, and 12-4 in ACC. As a team, the Deacons shot 60.4% from the field. I can tell you this, shooting 60% from the field, you're going to win quite a few games. Because of their lights out shooting, they handed the Blue Devils their first loss when leading at halftime in 2023-24. Per CBS Sports, they were 20-0 and 0 when holding a halftime lead this season. Just like the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee, Duke learned a valuable lesson on Saturday. Don't count out Wake Forest. So now with that, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a break. And when I come back, I am going to find something else to talk about. Got to keep the suspense and the interest level up. But don't you go nowhere. I will be back in the zone. This is yours truly, Anthony Smith. 
Hope you're having a magnificent Monday. zone with yours truly anthony smith on a magnificent monday weather wise it's just beautiful beautiful as i said i do have some coaching news for you one that i believe is a head scratcher everybody's a lot of people have been pushing why isn't this guy coaching as a head coach in the nfl he stuck by andy reed then, when that train ran out, he went to the Washington Commanders. That only lasted for a season. And now he's on the UCLA coaching staff in a key role. Talking about none other than Eric Public Bienemy joins the UCLA coaching staff. So, former Washington Commanders offensive coordinator Eric Bienemy has a new job, and it is taking him back to the college game. Bienemy is is joining UCLA as its associate head coach and offensive coordinator, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter and Peter Thamel. The move continues what has been a puzzling few years for Bienemy when it comes to coaching opportunities. Thanks to his time as offensive coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs, he was constantly talked up as one of the rising star head coaching candidates in the NFL and routinely topped head coaching wishing list wish list. But he has constantly was constantly passed over for jobs and then ended up leaving the Chiefs prior to the 2023 season for a lateral position in Washington, where he was the offensive coordinator for the Commanders. He lasted just one year there and was let go when Commanders brought in a new coaching staff, including new offensive coordinator. Cliff Kingsbury. With the NFL hiring cycle pretty much over, Bienemy had limited options. So now he is heading to the NCAA to work alongside first year coach Deshaun Foster. This will not be Bienemy's first college coaching experience or even his first stop at UCLA. He was also the program's running backs coach and recruiting coordinator from 2003 to 2005. He was also the offensive coordinator at the University of Colorado during the 2011 and 2012 seasons before joining the Chiefs. One of the big questions that followed the enemy when he was in Kansas City was how much of a hand he actually had in the offense and the play calling, and how much of it was a result of having Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and Andy Reid being the top voice on the staff. The commander's offense had mixed results under the enemy, 
First year starter Sam Howell threw for 3,946 yards, 12th in the NFL, but did not really take a big step forward while the team finished 24th in total yards and 25th in total points. What I want to do here now is I want to take a look at the five worst offseasons in college football. Why three of 2023's CFP finalists make the list. So let's take a look at this. The college football offseason has quieted down after a whirlwind month since Michigan won the national title. Last week, five teams who had played to celebrate who've had plenty to celebrate as eyes shifted toward the 2024 season. Here are teams on the other end of the spectrum that spectrum, those that have the most to jeer about with spring practices gearing up around the country over the next few weeks. Number five, Michigan. We hope the Wolverines took Advil because they're due for an intense hangover in 2024. Head coach Jim Harbaugh, quarterback J.J. McCarthy, running back Blake Corum, and wide receiver Roman Wilson are the biggest names heading to the NFL. But the program must also deal with the depleted offensive line and departures of key defensive players, including cornerback Mike Sandrasteel, linebackers Junior Colson and Michael Barrett, and defensive tackle Chris Jenkins. Making matters worse is a much more difficult schedule in 2024, which includes an out-of-conference game against Texas and games against Big Ten newcomers USC, Oregon, and Washington, plus their regular season finale at Ohio State. Number four, Washington. After losing to Michigan in the national championship, Washington's offseason got off to a rocky start when coach Kalen DeBoer left for Alabama. The Huskies lost quarterback Michael Penix Jr. and wide receivers Rome Odunzi and Jalen Polk to the NFL draft creating a massive vacuum on offense for first-year head coach Jed Fitch to fill. Number three, UCLA. The Bruins aren't even an official member of the Big Ten, but they've already been burned by the conference. Former head coach Chip Kelly resigned and took the offensive coordinator role at Ohio State after months of speculation that Kelly and UCLA were headed toward a divorce. It's rare for a coach at a major college program to willingly leave for a demotion. Usually, those moves occur when a coach gets fired and is in need of image rehabilitation. Instead, it's the Bruins that need to be built back up. Number four, Alabama. Number two, Alabama. Nick Saban's retirement sent the tide into an early tailspin this offseason. Per on three, Alabama ranks last in the site's transfer portal team rankings. Tide lost 28 players who were either five, four, or three-star recruits while only gaining seven. Offensive lineman Caden Proctor, defensive back Caleb Downs, and wide receiver Isaiah Bond were the biggest defections. While DeBoer also watched previous 2024 five-star high school recruit Julian Sayan decommit and choose Ohio State. And number one, Oregon State. Nowhere was the 2024 offseason more catastrophic than in Corvallis. The Beavers are bracing for the implosion of the Pac-12 
at the end of July, which will leave them and the Washington State Cougars as the conference's only members before the ship capsizes. Multiple members of Oregon State's 8-win 2023 team have found a life raft to their next destination. Former coach Jonathan Smith became Michigan State's head coach in December, while 2023 starting quarterback DJ Ugalale left for Florida State, as did edge rusher Sion Lalohi, who was second on the team last season with eight and a half tackles for loss. The team's leading wide receiver Silas Bolden left for Texas and tight end Jack Velling, who led the team with eight touchdown receptions, joined Smith in East Lansing. And keeping this rolling, how about Ohio State has been declared offseason champions by Pro Football Focus. Ohio State lost its two biggest games of the season last year to Michigan and Missouri. But that appears to have only strengthened head coach Ryan Day's resolve. The Buckeyes have spent several million dollars in pursuit of an elite roster this offseason according to college football focus and have redefined what amateur athletics mean in the process. Recently, the popular scouting website Pro Football Focus declared Ohio State the unofficial champion of college football's offseason, according to a post on its X account. Day set the stage for Ohio State's winning offseason by gathering a group of Columbus businessmen in pursuit of funds and sharing a driving analogy with them. The speed limit's 45 miles per hour, and you drive 45 miles per hour. A lot of people are going to pass you by, they said. If you go too fast, you're going to get pulled over. Pro football Focus Buckeyes declaration has fans of schools across the country wondering how it will all translate on the football field this fall. Among the names of the Buckeyes list of offseason transfer portal additions include some of the top players from the SEC and Big 12 Conference. First-team All-SEC performers include Ole Miss running back Quinshawn Juckins and Alabama safety Caleb Downs. Juckins rushed for nearly 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns last season for the Rebels. Downs had 70 solo tackles, two interceptions, and three pass breakups for the tie, and will join his teammate center Seth McLaughlin in the Buckeyes portal class this season. Kansas State quarterback Will Howard is a second-team All-Big 12 performer who also chose the Buckeyes in the transfer portal and could compete for a starting job right away. Now that the dust has settled from the first stage of college football's offseason, it's hard for Buckeye fans to be anything but optimistic about the coming season. Arch nemesis Jim Harbaugh and many of his best coaches are headed to the NFL's Los Angeles Chargers, and the Buckeyes have once again Reloaded with one of the most talented rosters in college football ahead of the NCAA's inaugural 12-team playoff. So I hope that you have enjoyed being in the zone as much as I've enjoyed being in the zone with you. Giving y'all just good content and so much more.
But it's time for me to step out of the zone and step into a world called work. Yes, I have to make my way to work. But you know what I'm going to do? Even though I say I'm getting ready to step out, I want to give you one more piece of information here. Because evidently there is an ongoing feud between an ex-coach and a former player. And instead of saying that the player needs to move on, it is said that the coach needs to move on. Who might that be? Well, i tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to pause and take a break. When I come back, I'm going to take the suspense off and let you know what this ongoing beef is between a former coach and a former player all right here in the zone. So don't you dare go nowhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back to In The Zone with yours truly, Anthony Smith, on a magnificent Monday. Couldn't ask for much better weather than what we had today. Not scorching hot, not cold. Just right. Anyway, as I alluded to before I took this break, that there is a coach who needs to move on and get over his issue with a former player. The player, Carmelo Anthony. The coach, George Carl. George Carl's feelings about Carmelo Anthony have been clear for years. And until recently, Anthony has stayed quiet about what he thinks about his former coach. However, even though the 2013 NBA scoring champion reignited their feud with what he said on his 7 p.m. in Brooklyn podcast, Carl is is the one who needs to move on once and for all. Since Carl's thoughts about his former All-Star player are well-documented, Anthony was asked about what caused the rift between coach and player during their time together in Denver. Anthony referenced one of their first interactions after Carl was hired midseason by the Nuggets in January 2005. He says, after shoot-around, he, Carl, called me to his room and was like, hey, I think you're overrated. You have a lot of work to do, said Anthony. At the time, Anthony was in the midst of his second NBA season after being drafted third overall in the the 2003 NBA draft. By that point, Anthony was coming off leading Denver to the playoffs as a rookie the year before. 
Carl was accomplished in his own right, but Anthony said he knew at the moment that the two would never see eye to eye. To no surprise, Carl had to respond. Hey, Carmelo Anthony, let's do this. Let's not do this. You're telling stories that are 20 years old. Let's move forward. And you were overrated and wish your game was as efficient as deadlift shrimps, the 72-year-old Carl posted on X. He didn't leave it there. Carl then added several more comments in an effort to attack Anthony. First of all, what in the heck? I'm trying to guard against certain words. so I don't want to come across like that. But what in the heck is a 72-year-old man doing on X going after a former player for something that happened, what, 20 years ago? Come on, old man. Sit in your rocking chair. Drink whatever you're going to drink on and just watch some good basketball games. And let this issue die. Come on, man. You too, 72 years old, you too old to be on X. Or they used to call it Twitter. Having Twitter beef. You should be enjoying retirement. Anyway, things that make you go, hmm. It's to the point where this rivalry simply needs to be put to rest. And it's Carl who should be the one to let it die out. Yeah, old man. Let this thing die. He is the one who started all of this in the first place with the release of his book, Furious George, in 2017. Sounds like he's still furious. In reality, both Carl and Anthony are deserving of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Carl was inducted in 2022, and Anthony is likely to be select be elected in his first year of eligibility. Carl is one of nine coaches in NBA history with over 1,000 career wins. He led 22 teams to the playoffs, including the Seattle Supersonics, to a trip to the NBA Finals in 1996 and was named Coach of the Year for the 2012-13 season. As for Anthony, he's widely regarded as one of the greatest scorers in the history of the sport. Anthony is a 10-time All-Star, number 10 all-time in points, a three-time Olympic gold medal winner, the 2013 NBA scoring champion, and an NCAA national champion from his long college season at Syracuse. But the moral of this story is Anthony has accomplished far too much to continue being disrespected by a retired old coach. I put that word old in there. And Carl has too much to be thankful for and most notably claiming the greatest victory of his life, beating cancer, to still be so bitter about the past. Yeah, man, learn to be thankful for what you had to overcome. And leave that that beef on X to the younger generation. And they should, really shouldn't be doing it either. But So that's what all I have for you on this magnificent Monday. I'm getting ready to bring this to a close. Hope you have enjoyed it. As much as I've enjoyed being in the zone with you. Until the next time. Take care of yourself. And each other, be blessed. I'm out.